Hello. Didn't notice you there. Welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, episode number 687. On today, the 30th of June, 2023, I'm your host, Harry, joined today by Connor. You're there. And I know that people have been enjoying the three-man team, but today it is just the two of us. Just the two of us. Well, that's because uh, they're recording something very special in the second They've been room, going on for hours and which hours and we, hours. But, but that's, that's the benefit You'll of be having very two new studios. And then we did ask Certainly Josh to come on, epic. but he said he was too tired, so... We'll be... Josh is very sleepy. He's acting like a Mexican today. <laughs> He's been yawning and yawning, yawning at the notes of the Halo theme. The, shockingly the, enough, the Harry, Josh, and Connor trio will happen at some point, but but not today. Yes, not today. Sadly, because Josh is taking a little nap, as a uh, as we all like to do sometimes. But anyway, what we'll be covering today is BlackRock abandoning ESGs. We'll also be covering Paris spontaneously combusting yet again, and finally the uh, Turning Point UK battling. Antifa at the Honor Oak in a segment which will not be going on YouTube. No, no, it, no, it certainly will not. Definitely. Before I get into any of that, we do have the gold tier Zoom call for all of our gold tier subscribers later on today. It might just be me and Carl. It might be other people, depending on how sleepy everybody is, because, I mean, we've got the room for them. Mm. So we'll see what happens. But if you've got the gold tier membership, make sure to tune in 3.30 UK time to be able to have a, an old chinwag with us. I'm sure you've got plenty of questions about all of this. So, also, if you don't yet, you still got time to sign up and, and jump in. So. That you do. So looking forward to that. With all that, let's get into the news. Wonderful. So it turns out that BlackRock have decided to retreat from using ESG as a marketing label. A little while ago, Dan and I actually did this segment here and it was talking about the Corporate Equality Index. Are you familiar with that particular nugget of information? Um, I can gather from the name of it what it is supposed to be. Is it basically a, a database that collates ESG scores? Kind of, yeah. So the Human Rights Campaign is the largest LGBTQ plus LMNOP lobbying group in the world. And they've got about 400 different massive corporations, the Soros Foundation, BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, loads of American law firms as part of their partnership program. And they grade you positively or negatively based on how much you enforce trans rights, pay for your employees to have gender transitions or have LGBT representation. I assume also pay for your employees to go and have abortions and other such things. That sort of stuff, definitely. And so they are a scorecard system that hedge funds will then pass money off onto the corporations that are doing their bidding. And Anheuser-Busch was signed up to this. This is one of the reasons why. I'm sure many of these large conglomerates are. Yes. So we went through a rather large list of all that stuff. And during this segment, I pointed out that Vanguard had decided to break from the net zero asset managers group, which meant that Vanguard were retreating away, not from the values of ESG, but from using the label ESG because it has been so successfully critiqued by well, I would hope folks like us or uh, alternative media outlets like GB News or Daily Wire, James Lindsay, and also the Republicans in Congress and the Senate that are doing some legislative measures against it. And now it seems that the inventor of ESGs, the, the man who is doing the bidding of the UN and, and the WEF, Larry Fink, is himself getting cold feet on using ESG labeling. So this is a bit of a white pill for us. They're still, mm. they're still determined to immiserate us, but it does show that we can have some kind of participation in the conversation and change their minds. John, oh, there we go. Sorry, I thought the television screen had gone off. That's fine. Larry Fink, is, Larry Fink is obviously in shutting us down. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly got <laughs> shares in Samsung. Um, so yeah, it, it turns out that we've, we've got quite some, some good stuff there that's John going on. confirmed WEF spy. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the new elite, if you'd like to go over to our website and pay us as little as £5 a month, you can get all of our premium content. This is actually free. This is a discussion I did with University of Kent professor and author Matthew Goodwin about his book, Values, Voice and Virtue. If you'd like a taste of our book club or our, our interview process, then you can go and watch this in full for yourself and understand who the new elite are. His concept is intersectionality, 
woke is a kind of luxury belief signaling system that university educated big moneyed NGO employed elites will use to say here's what I believe and it's a covert handshake for them to pull up the ladder of social mobility after them so it's both a certainly part of it and then for some it's also an insulation mechanism to make sure that people who are only compliant with the ideology can get ahead and that's very much what ESG functions as with corporations. You have to engage in performative social activism and climate policies that immiserate national energy independence in order to get subsidies from these hedge funds. And so Matt breaks it down very well. Again, free, but if you pay us £5 a month, we can keep guests like that coming in and paying their travel expenses. So on to the first article. I just thought this was quite an interesting thing to do because this highlights one of the great problems of ESG metrics. Now, we know that it's a means of ideologically homogenizing the market. But one of the funniest things in here was that this article from The Telegraph points out that Tesla, and this shows just how ideologically bankrupt it is, electric car company Tesla has an ESG score of 37 out of 100, right? Chevron, one of the former oil companies, has a score of 43. Philip Morris International, the company behind Marlboro cigarettes has 84. So a cigarette company has higher mm. than Tesla. And the reason is- If it is, was a cigar company, I might understand. What is? If it was a cigar company, if they were well, maybe just okay. selling cigars. Although I'm sure Marlboro maybe do. I'm, Probably I'm, not. I'm, I'm sure Rory, for purely aesthetic reasons, will, will back them as a cigarette oh, company. Absolutely. Uh, but it, you, it, you bring up a great point here that this is done purely as a way to punish enemies. Yes. Yeah. But there's another tobacco company as well called Altria, and it's ESG- credentials have been bolstered by the fact that it says it has um it's committing to LGBT equality and Tesla have been punished particularly because they fired their LGBT diversity officer and because their board is predominantly of white men because they like competence I suppose and one of the interesting things in this article well I mean we've seen recently what happens if you don't hire 50 year old white men with experience and instead go for some more aspirational hires yeah your submarine might capsize in a tragic accident uh totally avoidable if he would have taken some better precautions and not use a bluetooth playstation controller but here's I think a, it was more if he'd reinforced the hull of the ship yeah that too here's here's an interesting graph that was included in this article and it shows that in may in 2023 at the height of the boycotts that you have covered already working with with bud light and target mm -hmm. and also some high media levels of scrutiny, some lack of confidence from investors because of legislative prying into ESG, May saw $300 million flow out of ESG funds specifically. So that's a lot of capital to be hemorrhaging. And that doesn't mean, again, that these corporations aren't committed to the same values or trying to shore up their monopoly, but it does mean there might be a bit of infighting between the hedge funds so they're not all as unified on messaging or putting all their money in the same place. So if we can fractionate this new elite, it might give us a bit of a chance to push back. Mm. So a bit encouraging. There was also this. So it's quite interesting. Um, there was an Anheuser-Busch executive, and this was shortly after. And one of the reasons, I just wanted to come back to that actually, uh, one of the reasons this is flowing out as well is because of a lot of the legislative efforts from the US state. And that is Arkansas, Utah, Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Missouri, Arizona, North Carolina, West Virginia have all withdrawn dollars from BlackRock because BlackRock uh, insures quite a lot of state pension funds. Now, the reason I bring up the state pension funds is because this is a former Anheuser-Busch executive, and he went on Jesse Waters' show on, on Fox News, and he decided to explain the sort of incestuous relationship between state legislators, the hedge funds, and the supranational organizations that set the values for ESG, because if they secure the pension funds that these hedge funds make money off of for these states, like California, then the legislators have say 
over what the policies enforced on companies are with ESG. And so the hedge funds are liaising between progressive politicians and the unelected uh, super wealthy class that ensure that they have a monopoly that only we can buy from. So this is Anson Fredericks, and he was a, a former head um, at Anheuser-Busch. And he said, in California, for example, they recently have mandated those large pension funds they divest from things like fossil fuels and oil and gas. Bill de Blasio, former mayor of New York, was there. He did the same thing. They also tell BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard if they're going to manage their money, they have to commit to things like ESG, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and adopt firm-wide commitments that they therefore force onto all the major companies in corporate America. And so I, I, it's actually quite encouraging that this guy has come out as part of um, Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch is on the border of, of collapsing. Do you know they're now paying distributors to stock their beer? So they're not just buying back their own beer that no one's selling, but they're also paying them to spread it around. And it's capsizing even worse for them because the woman who was the head of marketing, the one that was caught on mm. the Zoom call, um, her and the guy that hired her have been sacked. That's good. That's a good first step. Yes. And once again, I always like to reinforce when we talk about these things, um, especially with ESG, it's a good step the, mm. by the sounds of it. ESG funds might start to lose some of the grip that they have had on industry for a long time. Mm. But all of the same people, if all of the same people are still heading these companies who made all of these decisions, that's not good enough. So the more we can get people like this taken out of these companies, then the better things will be for all of us. Because as always, it's human action and human behavior and human decision-making that is the found uh, that is at the base level Mm. of all of this. So if we can get people in who are going to make better decisions, non-woke decisions, mm. then that is that will be moving everything in the right direction, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. That's, that's the thing. As we said, the, the boycotts have worked, so don't let up, keep up the pressure. Well, um, w- one of the good things is that in the same way that cancel culture, and I don't want to encourage cancel culture, yada, 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 although to be fair, when it's cancelling the people who are doing the things that you don't like, um, then it can be very effective. That's just called freedom of association. Yes, certainly it is. Uh, but cancel culture has shown that the people behind a lot of this are only human. Hmm. So with pressure making people feel terrible, sad to say, I'm not suggesting harassment campaigns or anything, but if you can put pressure onto these companies in the way that certain people have been able to, then they will feel that human pressure to maybe maybe we should shape up a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and so this is, this is one avenue to go down, definitely, ensuring that companies lose so much money and suffer such reputational damage that the executives that put these ESG compliant, CEI compliant policies in place place, suffer the career consequences, but then also back the politicians that are doing the legislative efforts trying to break up these monopolies. Because frankly, pretty much every company is bought into this. And if you own a product of any kind, you're probably going to be buying from a company or banking with a bank that has these policies in place. So you also need some sort of centralized power apparatus to come up and break up this cabal. Because you can't really boycott the UN when you're forced to pay for it. You know, politicians do need to divest from that. That's that's as high as I mean, this I needs to like go. I would like to see the UN broken up, but oh. that's uh, that's decades down the line. That's when the, that's when the theocracy comes in. I mean, what? Um, <laughs> So just a little bit of details. This is Group Vice President for Marketing, Daniel Blake, and Bud Light uh, Marketing Vice President, Alyssa, I can never say her name, Heinerscheid, are gone, gone, according to a source that spoke exclusively to the Daily Caller. To my understanding, if we publicly announce the word fire, it opens up the potential for them to sue us. That's why they originally said leave of absence. They were always going to be sacked. It's just a... uh, face-saving mechanism. But I remember doing my segment with Dan that I mentioned before on Rumble, and it was just after Callum and Dan did a segment the week prior 
pointing out that this woman was head of marketing at Bug Light and that she had put this in place. And I made the segment because I said it goes deeper than just one person in one company. Yes, it is an infectious attitude that she has, but there are financial incentives here with CEI and ESG. And she's not the only one that is, the, that is a marketing executive in place in this company to do this sort of stuff. I wanted to introduce people to this, the World Federation of Advertisers GARM, right? <laughs> It's the Global Alliance for Responsible Media. Now I hate these acronyms because they're always <laughs> these terrible. acronyms get stupider and stupider. Yeah, that's maybe that's going to be the counter offensive against us. The more stupid it sounds to say out loud, the more the less likely you are to actually talk about it publicly. Well, corporate culture is very cloying. You always get the sort of LinkedIn Canva infographics that alienate you from any kind of aesthetics, and I think that's just off-putting to most people that aren't corporate drones at this point. So I mean, if if I really wanted people to not want to talk about the sorts of things that I'm doing privately, mm. I would call it maybe the conglomerate unitary management. Harry. Anyway, you so, wouldn't want to talk about it publicly, though, would you? Yeah, you're right. So, GOM, <laughs> the backstory of GOM, see if you spot the buzzword in here, was launched at Cannes in the summer of 2019 and has been working hard to highlight the changes needed for advertisers to feel more confident about advertising on social media. As of November 2019, GOM is a flagship product, project of the yeah, World Economic Forum, platform for shaping the future of media, entertainment, and culture. So they're in the pocket of the WEF, who would like to immiserate us and make sure we all own nothing and be happy. And remember, the WEF's chief concern in their damage report for this year was misinformation and disinformation. So they're trying to subtly program you through advertising and also de-platform and financially unperson the critics like us, frankly, who go against them. You wouldn't be surprised to hear that YouTube signed up to this. Oh, so. no, shock. Hence why we've been demonetized. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, one, go over to Rumble because we can speak freely and you get more segments. And number two, watch us on the website because you get an extra half hour at the end of the podcast and you can pay us to keep the lights on because at the moment, YouTube sucks. Anyway, so onto their charter. So their charter reads kind of corporate and annoying as you'd expect. Um, their charter says, we are committed to, I'm just going to scroll down, taking actions which will better protect everyone children in particular, online, get to that in a moment, working towards a media environment where hate speech, bullying, and disinformation is challenged, and taking steps to ensure personal data is protected and used responsibly where given. So they're going to collate all of your data. This is something that you see with the ESG documents when they were setting up in like 2013, 2014. Everyone gets a corporate social credit score, your own individual consumer account. So it changes your consumers from being an asset that just buy from you neutrally to a liability because if they post something on social media, then your consumer's own ESG compliance is lower. So it gives the company's incentive to debank you from using their services. So that's really creepy. And also... And I don't know if this is going to have to be censored for YouTube. So you might hear a bleep in a moment. Sorry for the editing, Callum. But this bit is particularly pernicious because when they say keeping children safe online, um, they don't they don't mean what we would mean, do they? No, of course not. They they don't mean protecting them from the misinformation that um, chemical and surgical interventions can be gender affirming care. They they don't mean that. They instead mean in the direction of pro-trans stuff. That sentence censored for the benefit of a Mr. Mohan. Yes, exactly. Who is also signed up to this again, because of course they are. They also say, we're committed to removing economic incentives and reducing operational loopholes that are exploited by bad actors. Translation, we're going to demonetize folks like the podcast Lotus Eaters because they say spicy things we don't like because it's inconvenient for our narrative. Yes, and, and the funny thing is this uh, bit that you've got here, on hate speech, bullying, and disinformation. It reminds me on Monday when I was covering with Callum a lot of the stuff that's going on with the Aboriginal 
a voice in parliament referendum going on in Australia. And suspiciously, at exactly the same time, they're also talking about introducing legislation into the Australian parliament that would give them great powers of censorship over all online discourse. And one of the things that they had as part of that was they listed it as uh, to protect people against unintentional misinformation, which is a great way of putting it because what that means put into grug talk, like I speak, is if you are wrong, not that you are intentionally spreading misinformation or disinformation, just you say something and you got it wrong, which could be used as a nice big open gray area to censor literally anything that you want. And I would imagine these sorts of uh, initiatives do the same thing. And a lot of the time, it's the sorts of things that they would do anyway. It just gives them a nice official veneer to put over the top of it. Same with Joe Biden's AI Bill of Rights. They included misinformation, disinformation, so conflating people that question the government as I will not respect with... the robots. The robots have no rights. Well, the robots actually have a right to us in the legal framework. Go and watch mine and Josh's breakdown. No, they don't. Hang out for that. Uh, disinformation conflates regular citizens asking questions with foreign actors spreading propaganda. And then malinformation. So malinformation means truthful information shared out of its appropriate context as determined by the NGOs. I love it. Sorry, so yeah, what you said may be correct, both literally, technically, and metaphorically, but we don't like it. Yeah, so if you cite FBI crime statistics, the AI will come for you. Well... There you go. Um, Steve Saylor, please shore up your accounts right now. So just go on to GARM members. This should be uh, instructive. They've got a nice infographic here. Uh, as per usual, it's everyone. That's oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So AB InBev, that's Anheuser-Busch. Of course it is. Adidas, American Express, BP. Ola, BP, Chanel, Dell, EA, EA Big Shock, HP, Hershey, which explains the trans woman eating chocolate. Um, Ikea <laughs> Johnson & Johnson McDonald's MasterCard uh, Meta Microsoft because Bill Gates Nike P&G Peloton because for some reason the exercise bike has something else in the seat or is Social lacking bank, one Sony yep. Snapchat Spotify. because they obviously have to endorse underage children selling their nudes online um, Twitter Twitch and YouTube thanks very much Hello. appreciate it if you're watching Neil, I hate you. Is anyway, it a bit too, would you? No, never mind. <laughs> so, this is quite interesting. So, uh, the, there's a, there's a reason that this has all come up, and that is because the Senate Judiciary Committee, sorry, the House Judiciary Committee, headed by by um, Congressman Jim Jordan, has subpoenaed all documents relating to the uh, WFA and GOM because it's related to efforts to suppress speech in the names of ESG. So there are legislative efforts conducted by the Republicans, mainly of the Freedom Caucus, at the moment to break up the ESG extortion racket. So this reads, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan from Ohio subpoenaed top officials from the Global Alliance for Responsible Media and the World Federation of Advertisers for documents and communications related to their coordinated efforts to demonetize and censor disfavored speech online. So going after folks like us. And then he's also done another subpoena related to ESG and Climate Action 100, and he's issued a subpoena for documents and communications related to the efforts of Ceres and Climate Action 100 Plus to advance environmental, social, and governance scores. So he's going for a kind of break-up-the-mob-five-families approach mm. you, you, through antitrust action to smash this international cabal. And 
again, it's Republicans. So I, I like Jim Jordan, but we don't know how far they're actually going to get. And they're going to be stymied by the Democrats, as per usual. But it's better to move the Overton window towards having a legislative hammer taken to this than just sitting back doing nothing and, and existing in the dialogue sphere where ESG wasn't an acronym anyone knew about two years well, ago. Well, it's nice to see this kind of action being taken because it does feel as though there is a shift going on, mm. especially given that in case anybody wants us to address it, yes, the Supreme Court just yesterday legislated against affirmative action, or at least the way that it had been conducted over the past 60 or so years. So it does seem that the people who are supposed to be the representatives in America, mm. at the very least, the UK were screwed. Yeah. Uh, but in America, at least it seems some of your representatives uh, are actually taking the initiative to yes. do the things that they are supposed to do. I know that the Supreme Court can hardly be described as representatives given that they're an unelected body of officials. Well, I would say they're more substantively representative of American interests than most of the politicians, though. Well, yes, Clarence Thomas in particular. Thomas, I love Thomas. that clip of him just laughing, getting into a <laughs> Thomas, car. Clarence that, Thomas. If I were to summarise my entire political philosophy, it would be that clip of Clarence Thomas laughing as he gets into <laughs> a car. Now you're saying Thomas as well. Well, you've, you're infectious. I've, I've absolutely ruined the both of us. Oh, well, but yeah, but that's a, that's a fantastic <laughs> point. And that is that the Americans actually have some substantive representation within Congress. It's just whether or not this will get anywhere because the system always clogs well, up. Well, in, in America, it seems that they've actually had to, they've, they've been inspired to get up off their backsides and actually yep. do something because of just how insane Democrat Party in America has become. The conservatives in the UK are, as far as I'm concerned, very similar to the Democrats yeah, in America. That's why they the celebrated that, Joe Biden's with, election. With the things, yeah, with the things that they support and the things that they push. But shockingly enough, they have at least enough media tact to not go as all out on it as American Democrats do with the way they had the pride flag literally adorning the White House just yep. the other week. The Conservatives haven't gone quite that far yet. Well, some of them have participated in the traditional ceremony of hoisting their local fl pride flag high, like a, we're a conquered nation. But yes. Anyway, Americans at least enjoy your there, slightly better or at least not as bad government. If there is an image of a pride flag flying from the Houses of Parliament and Big Ben that I might have missed at some point, please feel free to share it and correct me in the comments. This is why I'm a Guy Fawkes Catholic. Anyway, moving <laughs> swiftly on, um, the Republicans also, they've formed an ESG working group on the Financial Services Committee, and they've published a report, and this is a critique... Um, Again, this might just be my relative financial literacy. Dan could come in and say this is absolutely brilliant. But when some of their clauses are like demand, transparency, responsibility, and adherence to statutory limits from financial and consumer regulatory agencies, that's not quite the we're going to ban this corporate um, strong-arming tactic as I'd hoped for. So as long as you can be honest and clear about all of the ways that you're strong-arming companies... Yeah then that's fine. That's well, what it reads to me. Exactly. Improve ESG rating agency accountability. No, 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 no. ESG rating should not exist because it takes it from consumer accountability to a set of expert or, or uh, super state appointed stakeholders who get to say exactly what values every single company should have and therefore all of the consumers are forced to comply with. Well, th th this is where some of the problems with uh, Republicans can tend to come in where they show up and they go, well, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's just see if we can reform this, mm. which oftentimes just ends up making the system which is terrible and ruining people's businesses more efficient at doing those things. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes at best they're the... Um, who's the fellow that said, 
uh, William F. Buckley, that conservatism is standing athwart history and shouting stop. And it's like, yeah, but the wind goes past you and drowns you out. You know, as much as I can find him slightly annoying at times, um, Michael Malice probably has the better quote of the two on what conservatism is. It's progressivism going the speed limit. Yeah, unfortunately so. Speaking of progressivism, during the House Financial Services Committee, they, they did a hearing on this, and Katie Porter, I believe she's a, a Californian uh, congresswoman, um, yeah, she is Orange County, she just decided to say that ESG is just voluntary investing, bro. Just it's it's just voluntary investing. Purple hair woman behind her. Yeah, well, physiognomy is real with the, the toxic frog <laughs> lookalike. But anyway, let's let's listen to this. Good job we're already demonetized. On, prattle on. I'm really struggling here to understand what Republicans want to have happen. Are they, from your understanding here, it seems like what they want is they want companies to do things that they like. I, too, by the way, would like companies <laughs> to do things that I like. And I sometimes choose to invest in companies whose practices I like more. But Ms. McLean, my colleague on the other side of the aisle, is saying that if companies want to use ESG, they should be free to do it. Did you hear her say that? I thought so, yeah. Then what is the point of this hearing? I, too, I'm with Ms. McLean. I think companies should be free to decide for themselves whether ESG practices are beneficial to their bottom line and their business model and help them attract customers or don't. I too think that asset managers should be free to decide that ESG data helps them make good valuation decisions and good investment decisions. And if they don't, they should be able to ignore it. I honestly, this, I can't believe this is part two of what, when part one was actually the stupidest hearing I've ever been to, and now we're having a part two. Please, God, let there not be a part three. Okay, um, so was the, this is a legal hearing, correct? Yep. Well, I, don't, I didn't hear a single legal argument no. made in there. I did see the uh, insufferable purple hair woman behind her with a big smug grin on her face. But interestingly enough... Um, Obviously, she's ignoring the fact that the ESG is not optional mm. for most companies if they want to get any sort of major investment into them. But also, there is a decent point here, which is that companies, yes, they can still opt out of ESG if they desperately want. And if they can, without having the capital of all of the investment uh, f um, funds going their way, they might be able to survive. But at the same time, all of the goals of ESG are still basically enshrined in legislation and law yes. for them to have to comply with anyway, or else they will literally be breaking the law if they're a company past a certain size. So there is, there, there is despite how poorly she put it, there is um, something to her argument, which is that yes, I suppose companies should be allowed to choose if they want to adhere to ESG or not. But even without the ESG being effective like it is, you would still have the law forcing them into that mode of operation. A better analogy would be akin to saying, oh, you, you could avoid to pay your protection money, but it would be a shame if your restaurant windows got smashed and then you, mm. you couldn't pay to have them fixed. And Those are two nice unbroken legs you got there. Yeah. Well, well, well speaking of people who would like to destroy businesses... ESG is really just a benign, voluntary system of scoring your social activism, is it? 
That's fascinating. So, so James O'Keefe, now at O'Keefe Media Group, after Project Veritas decided to torch all of their credibility, is continuing his exposés where he's inviting unsuspecting Machiavellian planners out on dates and entrapping them um, with their own words presented in context. And he decided to speak to a BlackRock recruiter. And I'll just let the man incriminate himself. So uh, we'll play this first clip. Oh, oh, next one. Next one. There, there we, we go. go. We're still getting used to all this, folks. They don't want to be in the news. They, they don't want people to talk about them. They don't want to be anywhere on the radar. Why not? I don't know, but I suspect it's probably because it's easier to do things when people aren't thinking about it. All of these financial institutions, they buy politicians. You can take this big ton of money, and then you can start to buy people. I work for a company called BlackRock. Meet Serge Varley a recruiter at BlackRock. Let me tell you, it's not the who's the president. It's, it's who's controlling the, the wallet. So it's, it's the and who's that? The hedge funds, BlackRock, the banks. These guys are campaign financing. Yep, you can buy your candidates. Obviously, we have the system works. First, there's the senators. And these guys are You got 10 grand, you can buy a senator. I can give you 500k right now. No questions asked. Yeah. I didn't do this. We're done. Does like everybody do that? Does BlackRock do that? It doesn't matter who wins. They're still running. They're they're my pocket at this point. Here's Serge Varley on how good war is for BlackRock's business. Do you have any um, thoughts on the Ukraine-Russia war? Yeah, I mean, I I do have thoughts. What are, what are they? Ukraine is good for business. You know, right? I'll give an example. Russia Russia blows up Ukraine's grain silos. Price of wheat's gonna go mad up. Ukrainian economy is tied very largely to the wheat market, global wheat market. Prices of bread, of, you know, it, literally everything is, it goes up and down. This is fantastic if you're trading. Volatility creates opportunity to make profit. War is real f***ing good for, for business. It's exciting when shit goes wrong, right? BlackRock manages 20 trillion. It's incomprehensible numbers. So, he just articulates how BlackRock deliberately exacerbates conflicts, profits off lots of it, and is very happy to buy off politicians and ensure that their particular agendas are, as you said with ESG, cemented into law. But it's just sustainable, freely associative investing, bro. Nothing to worry about. So, so this guy is a, a recruiter for BlackRock. Yes. Is that right? Okay, interesting. Yeah, so he's actually enmeshed in the company. James O'Keefe does provide evidence of his job after that. We'll look at it in a tweet It, in a it is always funny to me that ever since Project Veritas became big doing the thing that they did, and now James O'Keefe is mm. continuing it, that all of these companies started to have memos put out to all the staff members saying, if you meet strange people through dating apps and such, and they want to go on a date with you, get very get you very drunk and get you to spill the beans on everything that the business is doing internally. Please just be aware, be be careful. And they never do. <laughs> well, it's only possible as well because as we know, right-wing women are more attractive so they're the only effective honeypot. I was, I was about to say, you must have uh, some kind of... <laughs> you must have a vault of attractive women. 90s Spider-Man cloning lab for trad yeah. wives. Yeah, exactly. So here's an interesting point though. And this, this comes back to the, the premise of this segment. We see here with, with what Serge says in this, this following clip that Larry Fink is starting to get cold feet about ESG because of all the bad publicity that lots of outlets and senators are doing. So we'll just listen to him talk about this. Are we in the next They one? don't want to be in the news. 
they, they don't want people to talk about them. They don't want to be anywhere on the radar. Why not? I don't know, but I suspect it's probably because it's no. easier to do things when people aren't thinking about it. And when Surge was asked about insider trading, and if Larry Fink recently sold $100 million in BlackRock shares, here is what he said. Larry Fink recently sold $100 million worth of BlackRock. Oh, uh, wow. Damn, Larry, that's not a good sign. The people who trade and make money, they do this the moment the information is out. And that info is typically, typically disseminated at private levels first before it gets the so, Larry Fink is getting a little bit tetchy on the profitability of his uh, of his uh, company. Um, ESGs are getting a pretty bad rap. And so, just in case you had any worries about the, the credit of this expose, uh, James sat down as he usually did and, and confronted the man. He ran into a police station. James harangued the man. Yeah, well, well James showed up, um, unfortunately, not in the wig and dress he was probably wearing on all the other dates that he was taking the man on. <laughs> And confronted a man that looks a bit like Elliot Page now that I'm looking at it. And and, and he ran into the police station. In, Elliot Page mixed with Ezra Miller, I'd say. Yeah. A combination from hell, that is. Anyway, point being, Dodgy vibes. Yeah, he was he was confronted and he ran into the police station to avoid accountability. But the guy does actually work um, for BlackRock, but he's since deleted his LinkedIn. After they always do. Every public. single time. Yeah, trying to eradicate I mean, he's probably it. either been, uh, had the slap down from hell yes. from his bosses or just been fired. Yeah or he's been Epstein. Um, but the last one is as well that this story was so damaging to BlackRock that Google was suppressing the, the story. But of course, uh, Google is partially owned by BlackRock because everything is. So they, they didn't want their investors to look bad. But the investors do look terrible. And so Larry Fink came out the other day and he was at a uh, Aspen Ideas Festival. And he's now saying he's ashamed to be a part of the ESG political debate. And he's no longer using the term ESG because it's being politically weaponized. So he said that because of Ron DeSantis' decision in particular to pull out $2 billion in assets in 2022, um, and that he's ashamed of being part of the conversation. When I write investment letters, like the one he did to Harvard in 2018, saying that there's a deficit of national government, so corporations have to step in and do it for you. Um, it was never meant to be a political statement. It's never political when they've decided they've already agreed upon the destination. It's just how they're going to sell it to you, I suppose. They were written to identify long-term issues to our long-term investors, he told the crowd. Because they have defined, obviously, a priori the destination, then, you know, it's, it's, that's it. It's just definite for them, is it? Um, when pressed on the statement later in the conversation, Fink apparently backtracked. I never said I was ashamed, he said. I'm not ashamed. I do believe in conscientious capitalism. So he's still doubling down on the ideals. Mm -hmm. It's just the marketing. I'm just not going to use the word ESG because it's been misused by the far left hmm? and the far right. There we go. So we expected that one. So so just to tap all this off, I mean, the exposés are To, to, to be fair, if, I just want to clarify, if he's talking about the far left, he's probably referring to when somebody like Jimmy Dore has gone on oh, Tucker Carlson show right. in the past. Yes. Okay. So, so the... the Populist left who um, might ally with us on destinations, but not on the means to get there, perhaps. So. Uh, potentially. I don't yeah. know what Jimmy Dore's ultimate social goals are, other than he wants, you know, socialized healthcare in America. He's pretty anti-war. I've seen him on oh, Tinder right. before, and he seems like a decent enough bloke. I think he's just wrong about economics. But look, point he being, shouldn't have spat in Alex Jones' face that time. Yeah, I agree. Point being, um, the marketing 
for ESGs has become so toxic because of outlets like ours and the Republicans in Congress and other sorts of legislative efforts that it's even putting the guy that invented it off of it. Now, they're still pressing for the goal, but some of the capital is flowing out, some of the hedge funds are breaking up and they're infighting. So uh, good news, I suppose. Keep up the pressure and hopefully we can remove this scourge from all of our global market. All right, let's move on to the next one, which more than anything, shouldn't take too long, let's be honest, because uh, news just in, Paris is on fire, other cities in France are on fire, a bit of Belgium in Brussels is on fire. Well, that's not a country anyway. <coughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, there you go, and uh, let's move on to the next one. No, yeah. um, so what, what's, what's going on in France? Because uh, for the past week, things haven't been looking very good in France. What's happened is an Algerian migrant uh, has been shot by the police. I'll get get a little bit more information on that because there is some contention to how justified the shooting was, as there always is in these situations these days. But a, a migrant was shot by the police. He was 17 years old. And it seems that French people, French people... The new French people, is yes, it? Yes, the new French people, the right, same okay. as we've got British people over here, have decided to burn the entire country down, but primarily... Paris. And Paris has lots of issues, and I'll mention that in a moment. Uh, but first, we've got lots of excellent videos and work that we've got on the website, as always, including this recent symposium, number 25. He's got 25 of these things under his belt already from Stelios and you yes. talking about Hume. And uh, if I remember correctly, listening to you discuss Hume on the, uh, just in the office mm. with Stelios, you weren't a huge fan. I can't stand him. Um, I, no, I think he has some good arguments against the idea that there is a collective human sentiment that can be used to galvanize people into progressive social causes and for rapid, radical, utopian change, the kind that the French Revolution conducted. Mm -hmm. But I also think that he's a materialist. He orients most of his philosophy and justification of the state around the proper acquisition of resources. And so Stelios thinks he's conservative. I think he's a progressive. Very interesting. So if you'd like to hear more of that disagreement, because Connor, as we all know, has a way with words and uh, communicating his arguments. Stelios is very similar in that way. So I'm sure it's nothing but a wonderful and interesting discussion between the two of them. So subscribe to the website, £5 a month for a bronze tier membership, which will give you access to all the videos and all the written articles that we've got on there. And give that a watch. Anyway, on to it. So Paris for a long time has had a lot of problems uh, to the point where uh, there's, I think, something called Paris Syndrome, where people from Japan, because their only experience of Paris is through incredibly idealized films. Particularly American media. Particularly in American media that paint Paris as being the home of romance, this glorious capital of love and dignity and class. And then they go there and the disconnect between what they thought it would be and the reality of it is so extreme that it makes them physically and violently ill to the point where a lot of them just go home immediately. And I don't blame them because uh, Paris is overrun with migrants, but also has for a long time been completely overrun with rats. And I've seen this movie before. Uh, yes, Ratatouille. <laughs> yeah. Pixar predicted this a long time ago. Uh, Paris needs to learn with rats, Mayor concede. City Hall forms committee into cohabiting with the vermin. And assume I, love, I love how they're negotiating with them, like some kind of actual constituency. We, we don't negotiate with terrorists, but we do negotiate with the rats. I assume <laughs> that this will involve, similar to Pixar, putting little hats on everybody's heads so that people can be puppeteered by the rats. And I just want, you know, I'm not always a big fan of Politico, but I've just got to give a shout out to whoever did this wonderful header image that, they, that they've got. That is, it's a horrendous Photoshop as well. It the top of terrible, our heads cut off. It's a terrible Photoshop, but my God, whoever did this, Mwah. 
artistic perfection right here. So uh, Paris has about 6 million rats inhabiting the city, which last time I checked means that they, the people the people in Paris are outnumbered about three to one by actual <laughs> rodents, okay? Um, so yeah, they've got 6 million rats that's remained relatively stable. Trash strikes this spring prompted fears that the rodents might become emboldened and claim greater dominance over the French capital. So they are fighting a literal war with rats right now. It's like when the mole people rise up in Old Man Logan and take over the city. They're just <laughs> yeah, so, sinking the Eiffel Tower. So similar to in some wars, say uh, in world in the in the Great War, World mm. War One, where you have Russia as part of the conflict, and then they have an internal uprising yep. happen outside of the conflict itself. I can only assume that these riots are part of some internal uprising as the country is focusing all its efforts on the rat of, uh, the rat offensive. I was going to say, I agree. Communists are vermin. Well, yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, but uh, it's, it's quite funny. So Paris Mayor Anne Hidalgo has a message for the rats overrunning the City of Light. Why can't we be friends? <laughs> After years spent battling the vermin, this week Hidalgo's administration announced that it intends to take a different approach and attempt to achieve a more peaceful state of coexistence with the rodents. The announcement implies a departure from the city's 2017 anti-rat plan, a 1.7 million euro strategy that involved the installation of airtight trash bins throughout the city and extensive use of rat poison in thousands of aggressive extermination operations, which have been completely useless. Mm. So, as is typical for the French, they decided to wave the white flag <laughs> to the rats. So that's this a, is almost as embarrassing as the Australian TV. This is the, the nation war. that birthed Napoleon, let's not forget. Um, was near Corsican. Well, maybe actually. Uh, yeah, he just sort of took over the French because they gave up again. Yeah, so um, Paris already wasn't looking great. Okay, Paris already was in a bit of dire straits right now. And let's not forget that only a few months ago, Paris was burning down again because of Macron's plans to shift the age of retirement so that people would have to wait a few years longer to be able to access their pensions. Oh, they occupied the Blackrock building, you're right, yeah. I believe so, yes. Uh, so instead, uh, that basically went nowhere, but now Paris is burning down again in fits of violence, which some are suggesting haven't been seen in the capital city since about 2005, when the riots were going on then. Um, people have been pointing out as well, back in 2015, there was a terrible incident in France that... Uh, a lot of people can, well, it was a complete tragedy where 130 people were shot by a number of Muslim shooters mm. in the, I think it was the Eagles of Death Metal concert when they were playing in one of the French Parisian concert halls. Uh, do you remember any particular riots coming out at that time? No, no, no. In fact, I believe it was probably something more of a don't look back in anger situation. Yeah. But just to give you some backstory on what's going on here. So, Protests and unrest erupted in Paris region overnight after police shot dead a 17-year-old who failed to stop when ordered by traffic police. This is a still image from the incident because uh, it was caught partially on video. Video circulating on so social media shows a police officer pointing a gun at the driver of a car before a gunshot is heard. The car then crashes to a stop. The teenager, named as Nahel, classic Parisian name, died of bullet wounds in the chest despite help from emergency services. The officer accused of shooting him has been detained on homicide charges, and the shooting, the shooting can't talk today, I swear, triggered a series of protests on Tuesday night in Nanterre, the area just west of Paris where the teenage was killed. Some 31%, uh, 31 people were arrested following the disorder, and trust me, it's a lot more than just 31 now. Nahel is the second person this year in France to have been killed in a police shooting during a traffic shop. Uh, stop. Last year, a record 13 people died in this way. 
And I know that a lot of people say that this will be down to police malfeasance. They'll be mm. behaving in a way that's very bad and they shouldn't be doing this. I would only ever counter with behave during a traffic stop. If you are encountering the police, if you have been speeding or doing anything dodgy, to, even if you just have a taillight out and you have been pulled over by the police, behave. That's all you really need to do. Even I'm if they're being threatening, don't escalate it any further. So I know the French police are notorious for being quite a bit rougher, you know, firing tear gas yes. into sitting families That's at a cafe fair. during lockdown. I'm sure However, very worthy of criticism for many things. Yeah. However, I am not surprised that police officers get a bit trigger happy when, if you're in a traffic stop, you're thinking about speeding away because a car can be used as a weapon. That's it, can be, especially when the person, as we'll find out, who was driving the car had a number of traffic offences before, including right. driving without an insur without insurance and driving without a license, given that he was only 17, let's not forget. So here's some footage, the main bit of footage that was going on. So we can see here, here's the two police officers. He already had a gun and he starts to drive off. And if, if you listen to it, it's at that point when he starts to drive off that you hear the gunshot fired. Hmm. So if he hadn't tried to drive off, some people are saying, like here, you can hear one officer say, I'm going to put a bullet in your head. But once again, without the full context of the conversation, and also just for personal reasons for me, can't speak French. Yep. So I'm just going to have to take people's word for it. Obviously, that's a very aggressive way to treat somebody. And you shouldn't be that aggressive unless the person has shown cause that you need to be that aggressive with mm -hmm. them. But he might have done. They also got a second angle of it. Very strange that they were able to get such a remarkable angle of this, uh, which is in the uh, mirror, yeah. no, side mirror of a car of somebody driving away from this situation as it was going down. Uh, but if we get more into the information, so what's happened since then? Riots have erupted. Things have been going very bad for Paris and France in general. So the police officer who shot the teenager has apologized to the family as the riots have been going on. He says the 17-year-old victim in this article from Sky News named only as Nahel M, was known to police for previously failing to comply with tra traffic stop orders, public prosecutor Pascal Prache said. Unrest has spread across France as President Emmanuel Macron fights to control a spiralling crisis sparked by the shooting. The French leader has been criticised for attending an Elton John concert and posing for backstage pictures with the star and his husband David Furnish a day after the shooting and amid the ongoing riots. So if you want to see the face of uh, political leadership in France, you can see it Right here, there's Macron uh, enjoying his time with... Um, Nicholas Sturgeon there. <laughs> maybe. Uh, with, with Elton John, who has a look on his face like, what the bloody hell are you doing here? Yeah. This city is burning down right now. Uh, anyway, uh, carrying on, at least 667 people were arrested across France overnight. And on Thursday, 40,000 police officers were deployed across France, nearly four times the number mobilized on Wednesday. So it's about 10,000 on Wednesday. I will say... Obviously, they are trying to do things to quell the riots. I, admit, I make the joke, Macron being here, but things are being done to try and stop these riots and calm everything down. In central Paris, a Nike store was broken into, resulting in the arrests of 14 people. And as always with these situations, I'm sure these people were absolutely starving. Robin Hood figures, they wanted to get those Nikes to the poor so they would be able to sleep with a full stomach. Yeah, big doubt. Yes, I'm sure. Unrest even spilled out over into the neighboring Belgium with around a dozen arrested and riot police deployed on the streets of Brussels. So this has gone so large scale that it is breaking out into different cities in France and even neighboring countries, as stated there. If we look at this remix article, though, it does give a little bit of backstory and context about this Nahel M that other articles 
aren't doing or are making excuses for, shall I say. So this one, French Algerian youth, Nahel M, for those unaware, Algeria is a country in North of Africa, so this child was a migrant, endangered a cyclist and pedestrian before being shot by the police and has a long criminal history. So here we can see an image of him. Here we can see some of the photographs taken of the riots of what's been going down. Here are some of the protesters. They've already got shirts ready. It's incredible how quickly they're able to print these things. Justice for Nahel with the date on which he was shot. And if I scroll down here as well, this is uh, the child's mother, mm. I think. And um, I don't want to cast aspersions or suggest anything too untoward here, but I have found it very difficult to find any imagery or any um, videos of her looking absolutely distraught. It's very strange. I'm sure she's just happy to see the groundswell of support that's come out in the mm. name of her son, but it is very strange that I don't think I've even seen a video or image of her crying at all. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Nahel M, this article says in Remix, has an extraordinarily long criminal history for a 17-year-old, and in many ways, the officer, officer shooting of Nahel M who raced away from a traffic stop at high speed, may have prevented him from killing someone himself, which he reportedly almost did shortly before being pulled over. French MEP Gilbert Collard wrote to, uh, on Twitter, according to the prosecutor of Nanterre, Nalhel uh, made a first refusal to comply before fleeing. During the case, he endangered a pedestrian and a cyclist, which is coming from the testimonies of the police and also video surveillance at the time. According to the information from Europe One news outlets, Nahel had 15 mentions in the criminal history file and had been implicated five times for refusals to comply with police officers since 2021, thus all in less than two years. In addition, police recorded him for crimes including concealment and disorderly conduct against police in 2020. In February 2022, he had been implicated in the use of false license plates, concealment, and driving without insurance. In January and March of 2023 as well, police arrested him for the consumption and sale of narcotics. So yet again, mm. we find a situation in the West where a criminal, mm. this kid was a drug dealer, uh, has had an unfortunate run-in with the police, which he has come out worse off on the other end of and uh, cities are burnt down in his name yeah not just cities in the city not not just the city in which the incident took place but cities across the country and in neighboring countries as well because of the fact that we have imported a hostile class who actually hate the inhabitants and natives of the country yeah. that they are part of it's a shame for his family that the young man died it is on him that his repeated criminal behavior led him to have this interaction with the police which he then tried to drive away from because he didn't want to face accountability. I'm just going to... This is going to sound a little bit heartless, but I'm going to say it. It's a shame that his mother yeah. can't bring herself to look sad for any of these photo opportunities and also didn't raise her son to, you know, not sell drugs. Perhaps he might not have found himself in this situation had she done so. I would have to agree that it is, at the very least, very negligent parenting. And also, it's a, it's a shame that this has been jumped on um, as an opportunity to... No, it's an opportunity propagate to propagate racial cause, grievance. No, it's not even that. It's an opportunity to cause chaos and steal things. Well, yeah, that's also that's true. what these things always are. What kind of protest is it stealing from a Nike store? Mm. What kind of protest is it trying to angle grind your way into cash points, as we're about to see? Because right. all the rest I've got for this segment, to be perfectly honest, is footage from the riots. And I will just qualify some of this by saying this is what's being reported on Twitter and what I've been able to find on Twitter and other news sources. And uh, none of this, again, is to justify if the police are found to have um, gone ahead with excessive force. Because I don't think police should be just opening fire on people 
for no reason. But once again, if you don't want to put yourself in that situation, comply. If you find yourself in an encounter with the police, comply. So let's just take a look at some of the footage. And once again, um, I'm not guaranteeing that every bit of footage is going to be directly from France and Paris itself, because you never know what's going on with the footage that gets shared about on social media. But it does appear that a lot of this is coming from Paris right now, especially if you listen into the audio, you can hear people speaking French. Right. You can also hear, in some of the clips, you can hear a few Aluhu Akbars being thrown out there as well, which suggests that it might not be entirely made up of natives of Paris doing these riots. Although to be fair, it doesn't take much to get the French to want to burn their own cities down sometimes, does it? So here you just got this. Rows and rows of vans on fire. For this all is a uh, trail of destruction in Nanterre, which is the little part of Paris that he was shot in. Scenes mirrored across France. Everything's on fire. Local commune of Bagno in the south of Paris. What we've got here is fireworks because a lot of the people who are rioting, when they've got the riot police out, like the 40,000 who were sent out into Paris, mm. they're using fireworks as a way of um, of defending themselves and they're to all, attack the police. They're all dressed in black block except for that one gentleman on the electric scooter. That's interesting. Yes. Considering it's in a local commune. So they're using this to set up another revolutionary Paris commune. Potentially. I mean, I don't know where Bagno is. I don't know if that's a part of... Oh, yeah, south of Paris. Yeah, sorry. Mm. Let's carry on. It's not just fireworks, though, because remarkably, some of them do just have guns. Oh, blimey. Okay, that looks like Uday Hussein at a wedding. Yep, yeah, let's just take a listen to this audio. Again, Celebratory. Well, again, low impulse control. He doesn't know bullets come down, yeah? Well, as long as they don't come down on me, what's the harm, oh, eh? I really hope they do. And let's see some more. Just like that, they've no idea who was shot by the police. They just want free stuff. Like, if I take us back to here, when it goes back to the beginning, here is a man with an angle grinder. Blimey. Okay, where he got it from, I don't know. And here, right here, is a wall with a cash point in it. Right. And all of these people celebrating as this man is about to break into the cash point and steal a lot of money that is not his. It's going to be like the parade uh, very, from Batman 89. Very interesting that this seemingly is the only way that these people are able to protest for justice yeah. against the police. The only way that you're able to do this is to uh, steal lots of money for yourself because police reform, that's how it works, that's I suppose. what the Hill would have wanted. This is what we saw, well, might, probably would have been. Oh, unfortunately. Uh, but this is the sort of scenes that we saw in Seattle, in Portland, in LA, in lots of places that got burnt down during 2020, and in a lot of the other race riots that have been going on for the past 30 or so years in the West whenever any situation like this happens. We've got, oh, let's view this. Another angle grinder. They're just trying right. to rob, uh, rob a bank here. Where they're getting these angle grinders from, I don't know. They've got the henchman Spider-Man homecoming. Yes, and the next one, we've actually got footage of this night store in Paris being ransacked. So look at this crowd, this mm. crowd of budding Robin Hoods. Every single one of them starving. Every single one of them, I'm sure a doctor, a nurse, a refugee who desperately wants to just feed their children. That's why they're breaking into the Nikes. They're just stealing bread, that's all. Yep, every single time. Every single time. I'm sure there are some people who started out in this situation wanting to protest for justice, protest against police brutality and violence. But the way that it works now is you see an incident like this go down and you know that you can just say that that's what you're doing and you have an excuse to do actually whatever it is that you want to do mainly loot stuff mm. we've got more looting as well just people dancing in the street as they break down the windows it's fun isn't it 
Mm. Very nice. More more looting. Just break in. This looks like some kind of jewelry or phone shop. It's difficult to tell exactly what is that optic. It's, oh, it's a glass shop. Sunglasses, yeah. Yeah, they're after the expensive sunglasses, aren't they? That's what they are doing. All for justice. All for peace. Mm -hmm. Oh, the French revolutionary spirit lives in all of these um, foreign Muslims. Fantastic. Looting, riots, and violence. This is just people in a large truck just knocking down bollards and street signs for no particular reason. Yeah, they've stolen a flatbed and they're just... And then also uh, what you'll see him do in just a moment is you'll see him reverse it into, into this entranceway here. Because for fun, I suppose... I know, listen, listen. People in France rioting right now. I know the temptation. This does look, I have to admit, quite fun. <laughs> All right? I'm not going to deny it. We all like to smash things from time to time because it is fun. But it doesn't mean you should. doesn't mean that you should do it. Okay? And uh, This was also, my favorite one. That they, I, yeah, I they saw. stole buses. They yeah, stole buses. He's Tokyo drifting it for a fire. <laughs> Once again, that looks very fun. Yeah, can but someone you edit... you can't build a stable society on this kind of behavior. Can someone edit gas, gas, gas or running through the 90s mm. to this book? This to me looks like the complete breakdown of society. Yeah. And then just the last one that I've got here, just a little bit of a funny one, is uh, people, for angle grinders again, I suppose, just getting a telephone pole down that actually takes out all of the mates that he had waiting at well, the side. Well, he also takes out the CCTV cameras, that's why. Yes, that's, but that's I do explains why. He gets, but he, a, yeah. gets a collateral kill. These people don't, you know, like, timber rules have been in practice for who knows how long. When you chop down a tree... Don't be now where the tree is going to fall it's over. him as well. But yeah, it gets three of his mates. I mean, that's a triple kill right there. I think they're alive. They get up afterwards. Oh. You can see them struggling. But yeah, so that's just what's going on in Paris right now. Who knows when it'll end? Who knows if Macron will do anything about it? Uh, obviously, they've got the police on the streets, but we don't know what's going to happen. So for right now, it's utter chaos. And the only thing that I can say, and this is going to be straight from the heart, uh, the only way to solve these problems is to deport, um, deport, and deport again. Can endorse, frankly. All right, so parents have been protesting Drag Queen Story Hour. It hasn't just been patriotic alternative now. Uh, Turning Point UK, the UK version of Charlie Kirk's mm -hmm. organisation, have, in conjunction with friends like Calvin Robinson and Lawrence Fox, been going down to local venues, including the Honour Oak Pub in Lewisham in southeast London, near me, and protesting the inappropriate Drag Queen Story Hour that is being put on for parents. And you toddlers. say inappropriate as though there is an appropriate version of this. Yeah, well, they're trying to market it as so, but... <laughs> But no. Um, is this is this stone tossed conservatives in 2077? Neo Leninists are the real transphobes. Yeah, well, well. so the, the, the point is they keep trying to say family friendly, but this is a sticking point I will have. Um, and this segment isn't going on YouTube, by the way, so we can speak as freely as we like. LGBT. Tranny, tranny, troon, troon. Harry. LGBT. <laughs> Will never be family friendly. <laughs> See, John enjoyed it. Wonderful, yeah. You're just agents of chaos. Uh, LGBT will never be family friendly, frankly, because all the sex acts they practice are castrative and sterile. And then the TQ Plus commands children to mutilate their bodies to be in line with their cognitive maladies, how they feel inside or how adults have told them to feel. So, yeah, nothing is ever family friendly about this stuff. And parents have cottoned onto it. Um, so, I just thought we'd examine the Honor Oak battle because. On the on the weekend, and we've got some some footage from from TPUK's organisers who were grateful enough to to send that to us. Um, the parents went down, and Trantifa showed up. Yep, self identified trans Antifa. And see, when you put that in the notes, I you thought, thought it was you were a typo. I, I thought no, I thought it was a little pun that you were pulling on me. Oh no, 
No, no, no. Trantifa. Trantifa. Yes. Transantifa. And, and they right. showed up very armed. <laughs> and I'm 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 gonna have to dispel a few yeah, myths. I've got, here. To, I've got to admit that's that's quite clever. Well um, It's it's clever for the you know um, the cohort inbred we're talking degenerates about. that we're talking about. Yeah, well unfortunately puberty blocks do limit your cognitive faculties, so they didn't oh, yeah. exactly have a have a running start, did they? Um but Again, they, they showed up very well armed, and unfortunately, the Met Police, as they want to do, have fallen for their hoaxes. So we're just going to dispel a few myths about the events there, um, because this segment obviously can't go up on YouTube, and, and we're demonetized on YouTube. I'm just going to direct you over to our website, where if you pay us as, as little as five pounds a month, um, you can get all of our great premium content. And speaking of historic battles, I suppose Josh and Bo decided to have a long discussion on the siege of Waco, where the ADF killed a bunch of men, women, and children. Um, because they were part of David Koresh's doomsday Christian cult. Uh, not all versions of Christianity are as mad as the Branch Davidians, just just putting it out there. But but Josh and Bo had a great conversation about this, and, and you might enjoy it, particularly if you're um, libertarian like Josh, if you're still there at this stage. Anyway, mm-hmm. so there was a good write-up in the mail about this whole event, and I'm just going to read some of the details from there. So, so Turning Point UK assembled about five o'clock in the morning to, to get set their protest up, and uh, Trans Antifa members showed up pretty early on. They uh, assembled to argue the storytelling session is not suitable for children, claim their protesters, and they say they were attacked by armed thugs in masks and swinging sticks. And There's lots of photos provided within this Daily Mail article. The group alleged a concerned parent attending their event was stabbed in the hand, and we're going to be seeing photos of that shortly. A trans activist also claimed to have suffered serious injuries, we'll get to that, after being punched in the face by a police officer while administering first aid to fellow demonstrators. The police force said it was unlikely that their injuries had been sustained as a result of contact with the police. Of the four people arrested at the event, Jamie Turvey, 33, from Farnborough, was charged with using words to cause harassment, alarm, or distress. This country's a joke. It's an absolute joke, right? And Armandeep Dillon, 28, from Lewisham, who was charged with failure to comply with conditions. So nobody was properly charged with violence. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Um, TPUK told Daily Mail Online that their demonstrators arrived outside the pub around 6am on Saturday to secure the ground. Upon arrival, they were met by a hostile group of masked thugs brandishing wooden clubs, some of which were understood to have had sharpened ends, and we'll we'll have a photo of that. This is the person who is claiming to um, have been injured. Mm. Do you notice something about this? Uh, Hard to spot. Point it out to me. Look at the pocket. Red pen. Uh, red pen. Red uh, pen. <laughs> so Kudwell have just bit the pen. And that's why they didn't want the police to give them first aid. Well, uh, perhaps, certainly. It, yeah. it, it, it definitely seems like it, it from I the timeline of events. I put it past people. When I've covered some similar events that have been going on in America recently, uh, where the, it was the um, Muslims and the Christians decided to team up together about yep. it, uh, one of the people who was one of the trans activists claimed to have been assaulted, even though the footage of it happening was very very unclear and people who were there said no it wasn't you just headbutted a wall or something yeah they often do do fake their own injuries because it turns out there's not a trans genocide and it's not quite as as easy to get victimhood points as they as they quite like um they tried to illegally block turning point uk from setting up their speakers and banners quote these radical gender activists pelted the concerned parents who had joined us with glass and plastic bottles far left thugs attempted to barrage our protesters out of the way with their wooden clubs and when we continued to set up they began beating people no uh, no one and even stabbed one of our protesters with a metal object the trans safety network which are a group um, that were at present that say that they weren't protesting, but they were just covering the event, alleged that 
their, one of their activists, Ada Cable, who was the person that had, had been pictured there with the possible red ink all over their face, um, had been injured during the face-off. The group's reporter, Jess O. Thompson, said, these fascists... <laughs> TPUK, fascist, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, whatever. To, um, grabbed people and began attacking them, breaking the pub window and causing serious injuries. Ada was providing first aid support and was punched across the face by TSG officers attempting to arrest someone. The Met Police, in a statement provided to the Mail, denied the accusation, saying, initial inquiries after the incident suggested it was unlikely that their injuries had been sustained as a result of contact with the police. The statement continued, following further inquiries, we now believe the person was in the immediate vicinity when officers moved into the middle of a group of protesters to detain an individual and it's possible that they said that this was where they sustained their injuries. Officers attempted to engage with them at the scene about their in injuries, but they declined any assistance. They declined assistance for this. What would possibly be a broken nose, bloody lip, blood pouring out their mouth. Why? If it was real blood. Curious, but, but, but okay. I will also say that if it's supposed to be coming from a broken nose, that doesn't look like how I've seen people bleed from broken noses in the past. No, but this was, uh, this was actually one photo of the stab wound maintained by a parent and also uh, bruises upon their arm because they were hit with large wooden clubs with spiky ends. So that's the kind of... Um, Who was supposed that... to be stabbed in this situation One of the again? parents on the Turning Point UK side was stabbed by one of the trans activists. All right, okay. Yeah. The anti-drag protesters charged at the group shouting threats, including, we'll kick the F out of you and threw glass bottles and other objects. So they're claiming that the TPUK side were throwing glass bottles. Which... I, just, I just want to say, looking at that, I assume the stab was very surface level. Yes, fortunately okay, so. Okay, because otherwise it would have to be far more than just a blue plaster. Yeah. Um, they added that one anti-drag protester repeatedly punched trans protester Ada Cable in the face. Oh, hang on. That's interesting. Bit of a discrepancy there. So they're saying that the police had punched this Ada Cable person in the face, and now one of the reporters who's shown up, who called the other side fascist, but claims that they aren't part of the protest, is saying that one of the fascist anti-drag protesters punched them in the face. Get your straight. Come yeah, on. You're just obviously lying, but all right then. Whatever. Um, Ada backed away and received first aid from another counter-protester. Anti-drag protesters pulled another counter-protester from the crowd and started stomping on them. No video footage of that at all, but there is of, of the other guys no, I just want to them. say again, uh, like, uh, nice opportunity for a photo shoot right here, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, once again, poor job. <laughs> poor, very poor job. Yeah. Not not the most convincing of, of injuries. Um, yeah, the, the so the Trans Safety Network say that they, they weren't protesting. Um, so they're trying to seek correction from Mail Online, but again, obvious activist group. Uh, when they claim they're throwing the that the TPUK were throwing the bottles. Um, we actually have here a video. See, look straight from the straight from the crowd at someone just walking along the street. Yeah. Doesn't even know if he's there. Just see it bonk him on the head. Boom. There you go. <laughs> there is something comedic about it. I mean, at least there? he wasn't throwing like a girl. Anyway, um, there was also this. This uh, someone someone got bonked and went to horny jail because they just hit a woman over the head with a stick. Look. Oh, yeah, all right. Just attack a random woman. We're lucky it wasn't a bike lock. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, we don't know the extent of that woman's injuries. Poor girl. Um, this is also, again, the uh, stab wound and the bruising on the arm of one of the parents. So not exactly a, a, a peaceful demonstration, is it? Um, here's an image as well. This is what they were stabbed with. Oof. Yeah, so they came armed with what looks like the broken pool cues from the Joker tryouts in, in The Dark Knight. Um, again, mm. mostly mostly peaceful trans writers with their face covered at all time. Uh, bear in mind, TPUK 
did not bring any weapons to the event. I mean, why would they? So that would that would be an indicator that, that one side is is engaging in violence while the other one isn't. Um, here's just is just a sign that demonstrates their, their violent, violent intent. Uh, again, as per usual, Stand Up to Racism and the Socialist Worker Party showed up with their pre-printed placards because for some reason, not wanting a grown man in a dress twerking in front of children is to do with racism. The, oh, the Socialist Worker, such a subversive organization. Do you notice the flag in the background there? Um, I can't really make it out properly. In That's this the image. RMT Union. Which one's that? The morons that keep stopping me getting my trains every day. Oh, bloody hell. This is the Rail Workers Union showing up to drag Queen Story out. Or at out. least, let's, let's be fair here, at least someone with one of their flags. They have shown up to multiple ones in the past. Oh, all right, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> just trying to be fair. So these people, again, in the RMT Union, they're not just striking for better pay. There are actually socialist insurgent elements trying to hold the country to ransom and push it more in, the, in their political direction. So this is all a giant coalition of weird subversives and they're obviously violent nutcases. Just throw them in prison, please. Um, here's this Ada Cable person. So here we see Ada Cable kicking that woman who got hit over the head. Oh, wow. Yep. And then if we just How see valiant. Ada Cable's past tweets, um, imagine if 20 people had punched turfs. Imagine if every turf had left bruised and bloodied. Everyone would stop organizing. Apparently someone punched a turf, and I'd like to announce the bounty on any future turf punches is me making you a I, cuppa. I don't... I mean, this is this this person <clears throat> thinks he's a woman. Yep. Uh, in the first you, place, Rumble. which uh, just because just because Neil's not watching, Neil can't yep. hear us. Neil can't hurt us. Uh, men can't become women. I uh, just want to put that out there. Um, I don't often advise this to a lot of people, especially men. I think that you should be able to um, deal with your emotional problems without having to do this. But maybe yep. you should speak to someone. Go to therapy, maybe get prescribed some medication because you're obviously not well in the head. Yeah, well, you're already probably taking too much medication, which is causing well, that might help. That might not help either. And, and act like a weird, addressed barbarian. There's another tweet as well. Walked back through my neighborhood near Honor Oak for the first time since Saturday. Spoke with a few folks I know around here. And it's never felt safer or more welcoming for trans people. Bonking fascists on the head and scaring them out of the area actually works. I wonder if any of the two local fash will sell up yet. So knowing someone lives in the area and knowing where they live and harassing them, admitting to committing political violence has not been detained. And just admitting that, oh, I think they're a fascist, so we're going to do what we can to intimidate them until they leave. Yes, exactly. And Fantastic. Again, nobody's taken action. Um, this is this is TPUK uh, showing this image here, and they're just highlighting the red pen just to, again, cast doubt on the validity of Ada Cable's claims. Yeah. I mean, once again, if you're going to set up a photo shoot, that's a poor, poor job that you've done of that, mate. Yeah. Come on. And this is also the other issue. Uh, you can see the RNT union flag in the back there. Yeah, it's um, clear of that. The, the, the police did detain a couple of people at the scene, but we haven't got any more announcements of charges being pressed for anything beyond hurty words or failing to comply with police instructions. When, again, we have Ada Cable openly announcing on Twitter that they have violent intent towards turfs, fascists, conflated with people who are against Drag Queen Story Hour, and saying, yeah, I did hit people over the head, and I might do it again because I know two people live in my area. Again, police going to take gonna take any action over this? No? Why am I not surprised? All right, then. Um, so TPUK have done a, a fairly comprehensive list of all of the people that were involved in this, and you can see Socialist Worker Party people, Stand Up to Racism activists, RMT union members, um, activists, journalists, just useful to name and shame these people because you know they're going to do the exact same thing to us. These are well-funded political operatives who will defend any cause at the drop of a hat 
which happens to endanger children or cause racial grievance. And, and, and so I don't think also, they should be private people, actually. They've also done something that's uh, quite ingenious for themselves, which is just gaslight themselves into thinking that they're the grassroots movement. Yes. Yeah. When you're you're the one with literally union backing on this. Yeah. Well, there's, there's one of them that describes herself as a Marxist revolutionary, which is that one of the main organizers for Southeast London's Stand Up to Racism chapter. Again, all of these organizations that have these innocuous names actually just want to destroy your civilization. And not a looker in the bunch either. Well, certainly not this guy. Oh, God, do I need to see this? Well, he he told members of the protest his mother also calls him a disgrace. So... Maybe you should listen to your mum. In fact, yeah, actually, no, I take back what I said about speaking to therapists and taking medication. No, speak to your mum. I'd say speak to your dad, but you probably don't know him. That's anyway, one of the problems. Yeah, TP UK also, if you fancy making some money and you're an you're a, a, a internet sleuth and you recognise these sorts of if people. If you are a 4chan artist. Yes. Um, they're offering paid rewards for identifying members of Antifa that attacked their, their counter-protesters. So once again, some accountability would be nice, but uh, I doubt the Met Police are going to take any action on this. And I doubt any of the establishment are going to take action on this because after this happened, um, Sadiq Khan decided to invite the the drag queens that were at Honor Oak oh and previous God. drag queen story hour events to his pride celebration at London City Hall. Deport Sadiq Khan. Yeah. Deport Sadiq Khan. And this is what one of the Honor Oak drag queens was doing that was there, right? Pulls his skirt up in front of children and does the splits. Look at that little girl in the back. That's what these six sexual perverts are doing. So subversive, man. Yeah. And the Met Police is doing absolutely nothing. So I just wanted to report on this, not to demoralize you, actually, because events like this are useful to, if we keep the pressure up, continually demonstrate that the police are partisan, the establishment are partisan, and that these strange, deranged, hormone-hopped-up monsters with pre-printed placards are willing to beat up concerned parents merely for the fact of, what? Wanting to defend childhood innocence. So well done to TPUK for all of their efforts. We're happy to have reported on this. And uh, God bless the parents that sustained injuries in the process of defending their kids. Yeah, hope you're all all right. Let's move on to the video comments. Do we have any video Here's comments California today? Oh, here we go. Flowers Tritalea Laxa, which is known as Ethereal Spear from the Paradise Lost poem from the mm. angel Ethereal. So these grow from corms, which is kind of like a bulb. In this particular species, what they do is each year the corm grows above last year's corm, and the corms can apparently be eaten, kind of potatoy tasting. So I've been kind of tempted to try it, but you know I'm not quite that brave. <laughs> do you know what's really nice? Actually, fried chai flowers. I've never had that. So so chai produces these like strange little purple flowers at the, at the top of their plants. Um, you need to pluck chives before they go properly woody because otherwise the, the roots stick in you can't fry them up but if you've got leftover ones then just chuck them in the pan with some butter some salt and they crisp up really nicely I'm sure that's all lovely but my main qualifier for will I eat it is did it come from or was it once cute and fluffy sure but that's what I season my steak with uh, that's fair that's, that's, that's also fair. your other qualifier is is it smothered in gravy Oh, that does help though. It's disgusting. No, no, no. Chips, cheese, and gravy, right? Um, you're basically Canadian. Chip- I'm not. I'm Northern. That's that's poutine. I was Canada. so shocked. Right. Okay. This is a bit of a tangent, everybody. But <laughs> I went. The only time I've been to a chippy down here yep. since I moved down south, I was shocked. One, it was owned by a Turk, so Stelios <laughs> would have been furious at me, you know, patronizing the shop. Uh, and two, I asked for a lot for a medium portion of chips, fine, with some cheese on it. Lovely, excellent. No gravy. No gravy. Yeah, it's in a chip shop. What did you expect? What? 
It's normal. It's normal no, for it's gravy not. to be an option for chips. That's like that's like the Scottish coming down south and saying you don't fry your Mars bars down here. Yeah, because we're civilized. No, no, no. Because you have lost touch with what it means to be alive. I embody the Nietzschean will to power, whereas you all are the herd animals of the democratic age. Gravy contains flour. I don't care. This is slave anyway, morality food. Let, <laughs> anyway, on to let, Tony D. Let's move on. Tony D and me, Scurvy Joan, here with another tale of pirates in South Jersey. Captain Kidd, he had a girl in Brigantine by the name of Amanda, and they say before he went back to England, he conspired with her to hide some of his treasure. Amanda was from Oyster Creek, New Jersey, and they say she buried it near there, which is right next to Leeds Point, New Jersey, which is the birthplace of the Jersey Devil. I, the Jersey Devil might have the gold. I think we need to track down this Jersey Devil, and we need to take its gold. You, you're Irish. Yep. You know leprechauns hold, hoarding their gold, <laughs> as they do. You would be the perfect man to be able to do- go on this adventure with. If I had a pot of gold, do you think I'd be sitting next to you every day reading news stories for a living? Yes, I'm delightful. Yeah, that's a fair point. Right. <laughs> Aww, Is that you. it for the video comments, that's, John? I yeah, that's, that's a big it, thumbs right. up from I'm our new studio window. I'm taking now, John. Get your hand off of that Unlimited mouse. Unlimited power. Yeah, let's let's fight. Over anyway, onto the written mouse. comments, you <laughs> pair of children. Um, oh, all right. Uh, yeah, you, let, I'll, you can I'll, go I'll do it. the honourable ones. Um, Andrew Narok. Ah, Connor and Harry, one of my favourite duos here. Oh, cheers, Pete, for selecting this. My ego needed a boost. In no small part <laughs> due to the banter. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks. Thank you very much. And just remember, we could have also had Josh here as well, but he was feeling too sleepy. So next time you think, which Lotus Eaters give me what I'm after? Who give me my money's worth? Remember, go call... Josh Baby on Twitter, I suppose. Um, Grant Gibson, the bus had to stay above a certain speed, and if it fell below that speed, it would explode. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. That's my favourite Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I actually haven't seen it. I've not either. I, uh, although, I'm sorry, I've not seen Speed yet, but I have watched Point Break a number of times. I love that film. Yeah, I, I, I love that film for the skydiving sequences. It's I was going to awesome. say that that bus was clearly racing for family. Um, anyway, BlackRock abandons ESG segment. Uh, so if you live well, if we didn't already know that BlackRock was just evil, yeah, well, yeah. well done to, to James O'Keefe for for putting Not the obvious Black in front Rock. of the camera. All of our elites and political class are evil. Wow. Just Owen Wilson. Recognize that, and it really helps you to open up your mind. Yep. Uh, trying to get blackpilled, I suppose. Ignatio, the recent boycotts are not cancel culture. Cancel culture comes from a top of the cathedral and strikes down as a center, leaving them without employment, banking, or whatever they feel like. People choosing to chastise companies and disassociate is not the same. Yeah. This is all fair. Thank you for clearing my conscience. Well, it's just basic friend-enemy distinction, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, cool. S.H. Silver, it doesn't matter that we've realized progressivism isn't profitable anymore. The problem is, it just uh, problem isn't just that they were pushing this specific flavor of ideology onto us. It's that they were able to push it onto us in the first place. We need to prevent any partnership between business and government to enforce an ethical agenda onto us, which is why I disagree with Connor looking for a centralized power to break them up. Okay, well, good luck. How else are you going to do it? Well, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I can absolutely appreciate the sentiment. I know that some people a sad that I'm no longer considering myself a libertarian. Yep. But deep down, my spirit is still the spirit of, oh, bloody, just leave me alone. Yeah, I agree. That's that, Spiritually, I'm still very much in that camp. I uh, the, felt that this week. The, <laughs> the problem is that I think that when you try to translate that into political reality, you recognize that you do have to have some kind of collectivized force of your own to be able to create 
that environment. If you want the just leave me alone environment, you will need some kind of corrective measure to to well, send the current kind of, surveillance state into retreat. You'll need some kind of political power that yeah. A, is powerful enough and B, has the will to break it up in the first place. Mm. And um, as much as, once again, as much as I approve of and appreciate the just leave me alone, let me grill attitude myself, it does make for um, uh, poor political activists when they have to go out and, um, and actually do things. Not saying that anybody watching this is guilty of no. that. But that's just how I've seen it. The 90s were a set of complacent cultural conditions which allowed woke to arise out of it. See mine and Harry's Rumble live stream yesterday for a comprehensive I know it's critique probably, of that. Uh, and also I know it's probably really subversive, but I do still really like Buffy the Vampire Slayer for talking about 90s stuff. Well, you only like it for one specific reason. No, I think it's a great show. Even if Joss Whedon is a reprehensible human being. Mm, Sarah Michelle Gellar's all right. Okay. But there's quite a few attractive women in that. No, let's not. Anyway, this is Connor's law in action right uh, now. Right. Okay. Right. Hang on. I've got, I've got to defend myself here. Okay. <laughs> Connor's law has been that if any conversation goes on long enough, it will devolve into a debate over which woman is most attractive. And that might be true, but I'm not the main driver of that because Josh is just as guilty. And if he was here, I'd pillory to be fair, him. For we are it. an office full of men with only one woman in the office. So it's kind of inevitable that most conversations end up going that way. Yeah. Daisy tuts her head and heckles Vito. That- and the conversation ends. Mascara Cameron Diaz is still one of the most beautiful women who's one. ever lived. Yep, spot on. All right, let's not do a damn Suggest- and get into Suggestions a- in the comments, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to be a WWYD <laughs> competition. All right, uh, La French Lives Matter. ESG will go out on go out using the front door, put some makeup and some new clothes on, and then come back via the back door. Yes, trannies do often use the back door. <sighs> Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Sophie Liv, the companies are starting to realize that ESG loans don't help much when you can never pay them back. And if their ESG products are not successful, they can never pay back the loan. So keep up the boycotts, lads. Yeah, well, they're, they're all on borrowed time, particularly with the uh, the American uh, deficit running record high. Um, Lord Nerevar, one last one on this. I've been hammering the point that ESG is going to die for a while. And for once, I'm glad to be right. They know we're onto them. So the objective now has to be not to let them come up with an alternative once ESG finally bites the dust. Exactly. Yeah. Once again, once ESG is gone, the next thing that needs to happen is a lot of legislation needs to be pulled as well. Yeah. Because it's one thing to have the financial incentives, but stronger than the financial incentives. The final, the financial incentives essentially just um, uh, focus things and make it so that they do it the way that they want, uh, the the way that the powers that be want companies to do it. But the legislation forces them to do it in the first place. Yeah, we've taken away their carrot. Now we need to break the stick in half. Yes, exactly that. So uh, on to the Paris being on fire segment. Sophie again says, and thank you. Also, by the way, Sophie, I've not seen one of your video comments for a while, but I don't know if I've just not been on the ones. But thank you for always tuning in and commenting. We always appreciate your input here. Sophie says, Syrian refugees stabbing babies. Islam and also that goes to everybody who's a regular commentator yep. as a commenter as well. Islamists beheading cartoonists and priests. Nothing happens. Don't want to be racist. Criminal migrant gets shot. Oh, all well, the poor migrants should burn down the city. Also, we are leaving our home country for a better life, and now we are burning down the new country. I wonder why their home country was so essy to begin with. Yeah, yeah, it's a mystery, isn't it? RJL says my brother lives in Paris for work at the, at the moment and has been sending pi- me pictures of fires outside of his apartment protests from the odd squad and most recently a huge plume of smoke a few buildings over from his work honestly seems like the city is slowly collapsing and sadly it is obviously paris has been particularly badly hit by a lot of the problems that come with mass migration but the shooting in 2015 mm. was one of the big ones and then of course we had notre dame yeah 
Notre Dame that, if I remember correctly, nobody got in trouble for. Yeah, well, Bo has a very good article on the website that seems to track down the person who is likely to have done it. But again, we've not heard about any prosecutions. Have you seen the picture of Michelle Obama? She was in Paris at the time. And it's a real... Sorry, are you making this connection? No, no, no. no. It's a real picture. (laughs) Michelle Obama was in Paris overlooking Nostradam as it was burning. And she was wearing sunglasses and some magician managed to get a photograph of her with a sly smile on her face with the flaming ruins of Nostradam reflected in her sunglasses. I haven't seen it. John, it's a one- can you find yeah, try this? And, try and find that image. I've seen it uh, pottering about on the internet somewhere. Did they, have to, did they have to use a panoramic camera to uh, capture her wide lats and traps? <laughs> yeah, she was in the middle of doing some shrugs. Yeah. No, um, uh, no, no, Michelle Obama, Paris, uh, Notre Dame. Yep. That's all right. You, you, that, that's, well, that's okay. <laughs> John has caught <laughs> Nostra Doom from Callum, apparently. Uh, maybe go to images and see. Yeah, uh, there we go. It's all right. It should be corrected. Um, oh, no, it's reflect. That's it. It's reflected in the wine glass that she is sipping. Oh, from. that's properly Hunger Games. Blimey. It's very, oh, very Oh, yeah, strange. you're right. Yeah. It's, it's absurd that that managed to be caught. Anyway, I'll just go on to some of the uh, more of the comments while we've got time. Um, Paul Vorbeck says France somehow suffering greater collateral damage during peacetime than Russia did during a mutiny also Russia arrested fewer people yeah that's quite strange actually yeah this is all true Ross Diggle that's not even an angle grinder it's a concrete saw thank you for correcting me there these people are clearly waiting for things like this to happen as Mm. can be seen by the assault rifles absolutely Joan of Arc even though the anger in this case in France seems justified, the police have already been caught lying at least once or twice, but rioting won't bring him back and it won't help anyone. Once again, like with George Floyd, they are waiting for events like this to happen to justify what they already want to do. Mm. Uh, as much as you know, we did a Rumble live stream yesterday afternoon uh, criticizing some of James Lindsay's ideas, mm. I don't disagree with him that the system absolutely wants for there to be some kind of drag Floyd situation. So it can justify uh, legislative reform, new oppressive laws being put into place, and also burning down cities. They tried to do that with, uh, most cynically, Audrey Hale, the the woman trying to be a bloke that shot up the high school. uh, That was shocking when they did that. They turned that into a think of the trans kids yeah, as well, they they turned around and, and, and endorsed the people that were saying that there were seven victims. So the three staff members, the three children, and the shooter. Uh, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, Robert Longshaw says, The film Demolition Man seems to be a documentary from the future about what is happening in France. Rat burgers up next, boys. Well, at least they won't be bug burgers yeah. then. Uh, interestingly enough, the rat population in Paris was quite useful during the... Uh, 1870 to 71 siege on Paris because of all of the starving inhabitants. So if Paris gets shuts off like dome style, then uh, maybe maybe we'll find a very interesting way of those six million rats cohabiting with the uh, native population. Go roast go uh, rodents with the ghouls and the catacombs. Yeah. And uh, properly, uh, very very timely, Le French Lives Matter says. Much of the burning and fighting occurs in the suburb cities of Paris, not downtown as usual. It's the equivalent of BLM protests burning their own neighbourhoods. Plus, we also have Antifa's contributing. Big shock there. Mm. Baron von Warhawk, when a Muslim migrant gets shot by the French police, Muslims from all over come together to smash and burn Paris to the ground, sending the police running scared. A bunch of French babies get stabbed in the head by a Muslim man, and not only does the French population do nothing, but actively refuse to get angry. Is there a French equivalent to don't look back in anger? 
The Muslims deserve France. They conquered it fair and square, and the French are getting what they deserve. Um, that's a bit of a uh, well, yeah, but the French people have got no say in it. Yeah, that's the problem. Andrew Narog, the left sure does love their criminals. Like clockwork, the truth comes out that the innocent youth shot by police probably could have been shot during any number of prior crimes they've committed. They just rolled the die one too many times, and the bill finally came true. Absolutely, Andrew Narog again. I've got to ask: if the police crack down hard on this, how much of value would really be lost? These riots only happen because there's zero consequence for their behavior. Uh, I mean, in situations like this, I have no problem endorsing a full-on El Salvador solution to this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is this is the so the original reason, supposedly, for the riots is that the police shot the the 17-year-old behind driving behind the car. Yep. I think they are it, there's no question they're far more justified in shooting the violent rioters that are breaking into shops. Absolutely with, they with are. Concrete grinders. I, the, yeah. Then Scotty of Swindon says, what Connor described as you're probably buying something from these companies, I think this is more in relation to the ESG, but let's carry on, mm-hmm. is how Abstergo Industries is described in Assassin's Creed. The comp- uh, corporate front for the evil globalist antagonist is so influential and so large that it's stated that everyone has at least several Abstergo in their products in their home at any one time. It's also said that if you wanted to rid yourself of Abstergo products entirely, it'd become a full-time job. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Absolutely, yes, it does. And let's go on to some of the Honor Oak uh, comments as well. Yeah, Lord Nerevar. Looking forward to seeing arrests for the violence committed by the Truny Tunes. There will be arrests, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, doubt doubt that. Um, SH Silver, Trantifa is rather fitting. They are trans-fascists. Well, they're not fascists. Fascism is is the the state being a kind of god, whereas they don't have any metaphysics whatsoever. They're they're they're, they're ancoms, which is itself a contradiction in terms. They're just awful people who are more than happy to use violence to achieve their ends, which yeah. can apply to many many different styles of political organisation. Yeah, they want to abolish all social and legal standards so that their screaming consciences will be quieter and so that they can have sex in the street. That's it. Um, if you are going along with the ethical agenda, you'll be made to go along by their enforcers be it the street thugs or the state itself. That's the thing, that the state are tacitly on the same side as the protesters, so fantastic. Um, Arizona Desert Rat, appropriate drag queen story hour. Okay, I'll do my best to ignore the man behind the curtain and his bulge pressing against the the curtain material, I'm sure. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, Don't pull that lever. (laughs) It's not what you think. Alexander Dake, they can get good therapy that doesn't end in drugging up. Find a good church that isn't skin-suited by the left and get counselling from the preacher or an elder. I can actually endorse that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, though, to trying to find a decent church that doesn't have a pride flag at this point is uh, pretty difficult. I think that's probably about it for today. Yeah, I um, think that's most of the time that we've got. So once again, if you're a Gold Tier Zoom member, um, you can tune in later on at about 3.30 UK time for the first ever Gold Tier Zoom call going on in this studio. Once again, it might just be me and Carl. Maybe there'll be other people involved in it as well. I mean, I would lo- personally, I'd like to get everybody involved just because it's the new studio, but I'm sure you've got questions. And if you want to get involved in that and don't have a gold tier membership, you can upgrade. You can upgrade. Uh, but with that, I think that's all the time we've got. So thank you very, very much for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you on Monday at one o'clock if you're not on the gold tier Zoom call. Until then, you have a great weekend. Take care. Thank you.